All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the highly anticipated episode eight of Necessary Evil. Man, bit of a rough weekend, wouldn't you say? Sorry it's been so long since my last episode. Had a couple personal life issues as well as starting school. And, oh, you know, gearing up for the impending race war. So, lot to cover today, obviously, after the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent reaction. I, like everyone else who watched the video, was disgusted seeing those animals, state-sponsored animals, by the way, kneeling on Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes the first half of which involving him audibly begging for his life before he lost consciousness, suffocating to death at the hands of the government. And I honestly can't believe how calm he was during that. I mean, if you've ever seen videos of how, like, the, the Coast Guard trains to save drowning victims, I mean, they're prepared and, and basically expecting, in, in some cases, the need to get violent because people running out of air are completely primal and instinctual and will do anything, including drown a rescuer, if they think it could get, uh, it could get them a couple extra breaths. So it was remarkable to see how calm he was during that ordeal. I'm sure the fact that, I mean, he was high as a kind of fentanyl, I'm sure that did play a little bit of a role, but that certainly does not justify anything that happened because even if you just got done raping someone, you still get to see your day in court and have 12 peers determine your fate. But just to see the emotionless expression on the officer's face as he did it, like he was just squishing a spider in the attic, something subhuman and undeserving of the same rights he would afford himself was sickening. I mean, nine minutes, man. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these videos where people overreact in a split second, like Philando Castile comes to mind, but this dude had nine minutes to think about it. I mean, he could have popped in a damn baked potato, you know? And then the fact that his three buddies just sat around and watched it, you know, as he was already subdued and cooperating, was even more jaw-dropping. Like, put yourself in his shoes. If that's your buddy, you know, getting choked out by four cops... I, I would think it should be, and hopefully is, completely legal to shoot all four of them in the head. I mean, they legitimately murdered him. If four random dudes on the street are holding my old man down, choking him out, I can shoot them in the face, right? Okay? This is why I always preach to be supremely skeptical of government power. The government has a total monopoly on violence and aggression. And way too many right-wingers have this sycophantic obsession with police. It's like Stockholm Syndrome, all right? We get it. Your uncle is a nice guy. Your buddy's just doing his job, okay? I get it. I think that's great, all right? And some of my best friends are law enforcement officers, okay? And they are absolutely the line between order and chaos in society, okay? And I thank them genuinely for that service. But don't leave out the fact that the police as an institution are there to enforce the rule of the government. And they enforce that rule through violence. Ludwig von, von Mises is one of my top three libertarians of all time, alongside Thomas Sowell and His Royal Majesty, Ron Paul. All right, the Mises Institute is, is probably my favorite think tank in Washington. It's just above uh, the Hoover Institute. Um, the Rand Institute is pretty good too, but those two, the Hoover and the Mises Institute are incredible. So I encourage you to check them out if you're just starting to gain a foothold in things like Austrian economics, individualism, or moral objectivism. All right, but Mises once said that the essential feature of government is the enforcement of its decrees by beating, killing, and imprisoning. All right, those who are asking for more government interference, Mises says, are asking ultimately for more compulsion and less freedom. Remember at the end of each episode I say, 
that all government measure is enforced by the point of gun. So the idea of supporting law enforcement in regards to protection of life and property is not mutually exclusive to the idea of law enforcement being the boundary of freedom and oppression. Okay? But we'll get to that in a minute after I give you my take on the whole situation here. But first, just a little groundwork here for how I want to frame this conversation. I'm really excited about this because I think no matter where your head is, I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable on purpose. I'm going to force you to challenge your beliefs a little and test the foundation of your principles. Okay? So the two sides of the debate here, from what I can tell, and obviously this is extremely generalized, but the two main sides here are whether or not systemic racism remains a major issue in America today. All right, and there's some really strong opinions on both sides. And remember what I said, if you're sure you're right, if you really stand firm behind your viewpoint, then you should want me to question you. You should want me to poke holes in your theory, force you to acknowledge the other side's views head on and not just brush them off or use ad hominem, which is attacking the source of the argument rather than the substance. Okay, we will never make straw man arguments here and we will never shut out voices that we deem outside of the Overton window. I want you to hear the most radical opinions out there loud and clear and then dismantle that argument with a reasoned, thought-out approach filled with logic and data, okay? Chris McKennedy is a perfect example of this. She's the new White House press secretary, a little blonde chick, and she's got a highlight tape already of her just scorching the media over biased or disingenuous questions. And she's great because she has a team of people that fire off the toughest, most challenging questions her way in preparation so that she can learn where the faults lie in her own narrative. All right, They're on her side, and they're trying to trip her up. So that's me today, for both sides. So maybe I strengthen your argument, maybe, maybe I force you to reconsider. But more conversation is always the answer. And if you make the argument, so here's an example. If you make the argument that LeBron is the greatest player of all time, all right, let's say I agree, although... I'll be honest, that Jordan documentary was pretty convincing. But let's say I'm on your side. Well, then I need to bring up the finals loss to the Mavericks. I need to bring up the finals losses to the Spurs and the Warriors and all the bad games and the negative attributes that Jordan or Kobe fans are going to bring up so that you can be ready if you ever find yourself, for example, screaming at a total stranger outside a bar at 2 a.m. about the fact that he made nine straight NBA finals. Uh, and if I don't prepare you, if I don't challenge you, then you're going to look stupid. So we just had Blackout Tuesday on Instagram. I usually hate these things, I'll be honest, because posting something on your Instagram without actual action is just bullshit virtue signaling. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm not a racist. Look at my black square. But I did it because I think that the message was important to observe a period of silence as us white folk listen to the plight of black America. And if you've known me for longer than three and a half minutes, you're probably aware that silence is not exactly my strong suit. But I think for far too long, people on the right, like myself, have been dismissive of the wretched history that black people have endured in this country. And we founded this country with the greatest document ever created, recognizing the divinity, the freedom, and the value of each individual person, while several of the authors of the damn thing possessed people, like you would possess a table saw or a hamster, okay? So do not ignore the glaring contradiction of these men. Their words 
and the system they devised was genius. But make no mistake, they did not abide by their own set of rules, okay? This is why I sort of sympathize with the monument destruction crowd a few years ago. Remember when everyone was trying to tear down all the old monuments of people who owned slaves? And these people thought of black people as property. Okay, so at least admit that if you're going to speak positively about them, that they did think of black people like you would think of a hammer. I mean, some of your great-great-grandparents may have owned slaves. Well, guess what, Kyle? In all likelihood, your great-grandpa was a piece of shit. And it's okay to admit that. We will never sugarcoat anything here. We will always be objective. And if you own slaves, you were a scumbag. End of discussion. So we got 400 years of that. 400 years. Okay? 1687 was not even 400 years ago. You know what happened in 1687? Isaac Newton discovered gravity. Gravity. Think about how long that was up until now. We just sent... Um, uh, I think we just sent a rocket, Elon Musk's rocket, up to the International Space Station like it was nothing, okay? And 400 years ago, he had just discovered gravity, okay? That's how long black people were owned as slaves in this country. It's like 16 generations, all right? And then 200 more years of segregation of Jim Crow. I mean, guys, we didn't even let them vote until 1964, all right? Some of your parents are older than that. You can't just gloss over that. Also, very quickly, side note, we can't just gloss over the fact that Linda B. Johnson, who passes the Civil Rights Act, was caught and reported by several staffers saying, I'll have those N-words voting Democrat for 200 years. So let's not pretend that he's the arbiter of morality or belongs on any kind of pedestal, but I digress. All right, and that's the 60s, man. Generational wealth is a real thing, and the U.S. government actively and systematically kept their boot on black prosperity for that entire history. All right, you could certainly make the argument that it extended covertly past that, but I'm merely pointing out that even as recently as the 60s, it was just out in the open, and they weren't even trying to hide it. You can't sit with us at the front of the bus, or we'll send cops with guns in there to arrest you. But let's even grant them that systemically it wasn't a problem past the 60s. All right, let's grant that, all right? If your parents couldn't own a home or go to a nice school because of an immutable characteristic, their skin color, then you have a massive disadvantage in wealth accumulation. And if you disagree, you're just lying. Sorry. All right? Especially when you look into the history of redlining, where banks and city officials would literally draw red lines on a map around black areas and then charge higher mortgage rates for living in those areas. And remember, your schools are paid for by your property taxes. So if you've got a low-wage area with higher mortgages... And if you've got, and if that low wage area is low wage because the bulk of them grew up in the Jim Crow area, okay, then obviously significantly fewer of them are going to be able to buy homes, and therefore you get less tax revenue into the school system. How many of you white kids around Durham were in the Hillside or Southern high school districts, all right, and wanted a transfer? Why is that? Because the school sucked, yeah. Because you wanted a better future for yourself, yeah because they're 90% black, all right, be honest with yourself today. So too many people on the right are afraid to have that conversation altogether and give it its proper due. And you know I'm right, so calm down, weirdo, okay? You can, you can email me tomorrow, but you know I'm right. Uh, and then fast forward to the 90s with the Clinton crime bill, the escalation of the war on drugs and the huge increases in prison sentencing, all right? And listen, I'm not saying that 
Oh, Clinton did it. Oh, my God. But he did pass the bill, and it was disastrous for the black community. It was also conveniently written by uh, Joe Biden before his brain turned into pureed lamb chop. Uh, but the percentage of black kids growing up in fatherless homes is over 75% now. It's horrific, okay? I mean, mothers play an, an immeasurably vital role in developing children, but boys need a father figure in the homes, someone who can show them that this is what being a man means. This is what providing for your family means. Sacrifice, protection, making the tough choices, all right? And I'm not shitting on moms, okay? I realize those are also roles that mothers play. I'm just pointing out that fathers are at least of equal importance and how much it saddens me that so many fathers have been locked up for petty crimes like marijuana possession or selling cocaine. I mean, you can look at the kids roaming the streets this weekend, looting stores and, and starting the fires, right? Assaulting innocent business owners trying to protect their property from lawless heathens, murdering several in the process, by the way. Uh, I mean, look at that and tell me that having a strong father figure in the home of these kids wouldn't markedly decrease the number of them acting a fool. Jordan Peterson wrote 12 Rules for Life. It's one of the best books of the last decade. And in it, he describes that with every male disagreement, there is the slightest undertone, the smallest but ever-present potential for violence. He's not saying that you should use your physical in intimidation during routine negotiation, obviously. But if you're 18 and you got a 45-year-old dad who can fold you up like a lawn chair, then you're going to think twice about busting that cop's windshield on, it, on Facebook Live, okay? And, you know, the, the crime bill of the 90s absolutely played a huge role in that. And I know the argument is, well, you know, if you don't break the rules, then you don't go to jail. And that's fair. But this did include the three strikes policy, the mandatory minimum sentence policy, and all but did away with parole in a lot of these cases. I'm okay with, with all those things for violent crimes, but a lot of these were just dudes selling drugs, right? So, I mean, we got weed stores now, like you would walk into a liquor store, and we got people locked up for, for selling weed on the streets, okay? So I think a lot of right-leaning white America has ultimately failed to fully acknowledge this, and as per usual, I am correct. So cry away, but you know I'm right. I mean, how many of your parents would be psyched to see you come home with a black boyfriend, all right? How common was it to make black jokes in your little white circles in high school or college? Be honest. And how, how many of you looked down on chicks who hooked up with black dudes, right? Be honest and tell me that racism is not a huge issue in America today, all right? You know I'm right. However, that does not in any way excuse the horrid behavior committed by the rioters and the looters, okay? Way too many people on the other side just excusing this or ignoring it altogether, acting like it didn't even happen. You, you come into my business with torches and bricks? Buddy, I am licking my chops waiting to incapacitate you. I will launch a damn trebuchet at your ass if I need to. And listen, I'm all for a peaceful protest. It's how the country was started. But we don't punish the peaceful Muslims for the actions of the jihadis, do we? We were upset about 9-11. Does that mean it was justifi justified to invade Iraq, who had absolutely zero connection to Al-Qaeda? I mean, check out last episode for more details on that, but you get the gist. You don't attack innocent people for someone else's actions. So why the hell are we destroying the livelihood of local business owners who have absolutely nothing to do with police brutality? 
Some of the owners are black. And they've worked their asses off for years, fighting tooth and nail with the Walmarts and the Targets, only to be destroyed as collateral damage. It's sick, man, and you're sick for encouraging it. So don't expect to see David Dorn's name on CNN anytime soon. He's the black ex-police officer who was murdered by vicious animals looting his store as he tried to protect what was rightfully his, what he uses to pay his mortgage and put food on the table for his kids. And you got celebrities like Justin Timberlake and even some of you clowns listening offering to pay these people's bail, outright refusing to call out these atrocities out of fear of being called a racist. Guess what, white liberal? Not holding black people to the standard you would hold a white man is racist, you patronizing buffoon. Well, we can't expect the blacks to behave like the rest of us, can we? Uh, yeah. I actually had someone reply to an Instagram story in which I called the looters pond scum, which I only did because the looters are pond scum. And someone replied saying that a lot of the destruction was actually done by whites. As if I would have cared any less or phrased my speech any differently. I mean, is it your contention that I believe that only black looters are evil and not white? Yeah, keep eating rocks, caveman. You're not ready to have this conversation. Okay, anyone destroying a privately owned enterprise, especially a locally owned shop, is garbage. Oh, but Bob Insurance will cover it. Duh, <laughs> idiot. Who the hell pays for insurance? You think the window breakers are paying for it? You think the shoe stealers are paying for it? Or the cop who murdered George Floyd? Again, keep it in rocks, caveman. You're not ready to have this conversation. These people shot four cops in St. Louis, two in Las Vegas, one of them got murdered. Two federal agents were shot and killed. 21 Minneapolis officers injured. 33 New York officers injured several of which were ran over by cars. That was all this weekend, okay? And yes, the majority were peaceful people, but the majority of Germans were peaceful people. The majority of Russians were peaceful people. Does that mean that we excuse the Holocaust because we don't want to upset the peaceful Germans? Does that mean that we excuse the Holodomor, the intentional famine imposed on the Ukrainian people because we don't want to upset the peaceful Russians? No, so grow a spine and call out what you know what's wrong. But quick side note, man, there were some horrific videos of police brutality this weekend. I mean, righties posting about the riots who are not posting about the blatant and abhorrent police brutality on the, on the innocent protesters, I mean, sometimes even agitating the riots themselves, are being dishonest. Okay, tell the whole story. You hate on the liberals for calling out police brutality and ignoring the riots, and you rightly condemn their justification for ignoring the riots, that most protesters were peaceful, right? You, you call them out, and now you're out here calling out the riots and ignoring the police brutality by using the justification that most cops are peaceful. Surprise, it's you, a hypocrite. And a good bit of the violence, um, the, the coordinated violence at least, is these little Antifa worms. You know, people thought that they were just a conspiracy theory, but I'm telling you, I've been following these freaks for years, and they are well-organized, well-funded, and have been planning riots like this since their inception. All right? They just needed a little uh, a match to spark the gas-covered tinder, and that match was George Floyd. And, and <laughs> people actually have the wherewithal to invoke semantics with me in this case, saying like, how could you be against a group that calls themselves anti-fascist? Are you a fascist? 
North Korea refers to themselves as the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. So again, keep eating rocks, caveman. You're not ready to have this conversation. All right. Antifa is a radicalized group of despondent societal rejects who now claim to be this odd contradiction of anarcho-communism, which is as oxymoronic as being a gay pastor in a church that promotes conversion therapy, and they are hell-bent on the destruction of the West, which is in large part why they get a pass from the Democrats, who, who have the exact same goal, destruction of the West. <laughs> I'm kidding. Relax. Oh, my God. But effective as they may be at causing a ruckus, and they are effective, uh, this is not exactly a gang of high achievers. By and large, they consist of greasy, poorly groomed rodents who spent the bulk of the last decade smoking weed and sleeping until noon while complaining about the fact that Jimmy over there, who saved up for law school and worked his ass off, is making a bit more money than he is. The entire idea of meritocracy is so foreign and incomprehensible to these basement-dwelling Lego collectors that it may as well be written in Sanskrit. I mean, for God's sake, guys, they got wallet chains. They're wearing wallet chains. But they hate America because they associate it with success, which is why you hear, you're hearing all these, these are supposed to be Black Lives Matter rallies, right? So now you hear Antifa out there starting the eat the rich chants and the graffiti that capitalism is murder. Okay, they're not here for George Floyd. They want to work 20 hours a week down at the local vape shop, knock out a bag of Funyuns and some anime porn when they get home, and just exist. Just exist like a bacteria. And that's fine, brother. Do you. Just don't come to me crying about the wealth disparity, especially judging by the fact that 95% of these freaks are white out there LARPing downtown. That's what they're doing. They're, LAR they're LARPing. They're, <laughs> these guys, they're LARPing. Okay, the live action role play. This is a real world version of Dungeons and Dragons. I just figured it out. They're LARPing. And they resent success, all right? That's why they love Bernie Sanders so much. I actually just read about, this is so perfect. I just read about the commune that Bernie Sanders lived in during a few months during his early 20s, which obviously means he was not working because he didn't have a job until he was 40 years old. But he actually got kicked out of the commune because they said he never actually helped anything. He just talked about it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's almost exactly a perfect microcosm for his political career. All right, then he gets kicked out of his next apartment because he got caught running extension cords from his landlord's apartment so he didn't have to pay electricity. <laughs> that is too perfect. So this is Antifa's idle citizen right here. And they're obviously not even close to the majority of the rioters, but they are a significant enough uh, role to bring up. But just because another group came in and started a riot does not excuse the actions of any one individual rioter. Right? They are acting on their own free accord, morally bankrupt. But the peaceful rioters have every right to be there. I mean, what that officer did was horrific. And while everyone agreed that it was horrific, by and large, it took the riots to get um, you know, him and his buddies arrested. It took, it took his three buddies were still walking around until a couple days ago. All right, this is what is this, Saturday, June 6th? I think they got arrested like two days ago. All right, so I don't know what the holdup was, but everyone who saw the video agreed. And Brianna Taylor's getting a lot more attention this week as well. Thank God. She's the cop 
who was asleep in her apartment when the police came into the wrong apartment during a no-knock raid and her boyfriend understandably opened fire on people busting in his place in the middle of the night with guns. It's exactly what I would have done. And they shot them both dead, laying in the bed. Unbelievable. So hopefully that family gets some justice of their own. And um, I posted a little bit about this on my Instagram story, but you know, whites are getting a lot of heat for not being visibly upset enough at these murders, which I think is fair. You know, the murders are horrific, and uh, by and large, white people aren't out there, you know, protesting uh, on the street. But I, I was thinking, I honestly can't remember a time when whites protested a white murder either by police. I mean, twice as many whites are murdered by police every year which, you know, it's clearly disproportionate when you look at the population stats, but still, volume-wise, double the amount are killed every year. And the white community is never really up in arms. I, I, I honestly, I, maybe, you know, hit me up if, if I'm missing something here, but I can't remember a time. So my contention is that whites don't necessarily have the same sense of familial connection as the black community, and so they are much more dispassionate over the death of strangers, no matter what the color, not necessarily black strangers. So... I understand that you want people outraged, but understand that just because, you know, they're not posting about it as much or because they're not starting their own marches doesn't mean that they don't agree with you on the premise entirely, okay? But again, you're never going to get any flack from me for making people politically active, especially in the realm of limiting government compulsion and acknowledging the, the wretched history of the U.S. government. Um, all right, so here we go. Now on to the most controversial part of this whole discussion. I told you that no matter where your opinions were, I was going to make you uncomfortable. I am going to challenge the foundation of your house so that when a real earthquake comes, you can be confident that you'll survive. Nobody is talking about this but publicly, but millions of people, mostly white, are discussing it privately. Before I say it, remember, we want the same things here. I want racism eradicated. I want better schools for the black community. I want safer black communities. I want prosperous black businesses, okay? And I recognize the role that the federal and local governments have played in intentionally impeding these things. So if I want what's best for black communities, if I see them as equals, if I want to alleviate all of the issues plaguing these neighborhoods, my heart is beating out my chest, all right? then we have to have an open and honest discussion about the fact that roughly 3% of the population, which is black males 15, between 15 and 40, are committing over 55% of the murder, 60% of armed robbery, and 45% of cop killings every single year. All right. Now, there are certainly other forces at play here, such as poverty and, and all the other historical injustices, but it would be patronizing and bigoted for me to hold black men to such a low standard in saying that, well, they can't help it. Yes, the hell they can. All right, I'm not excusing the racism. I'm not asking you to justify your existence or to convince others not to be racist. All right, that's not your responsibility. I'm just saying that if you want as many white people as possible to acknowledge black pain and the massive injustices perpetrated at their expense, then this must be addressed. Okay, they can post their little black square on Instagram and their Black Lives Matter hashtag. They're still thinking the same shit when they get home. White people are listening now more than ever, and that's great. But I'm declaring, not suggesting, declaring 
that these conversations are being had all over the country. It's the elephant in the room, and nobody's allowed to talk about it. Okay? I want black advancement. I want black communities to be safer and to produce leaders. Okay? I'm not making an argument against you here. And I'm absolutely not equating the two issues. Racism is still inexcusable. All right? This takes a lot of nuance to hear what I'm saying. Okay? I'm not placing the burden of ending racism on black people. All right? Treat me as a reporter here. I'm merely telling you what's happening. I'm narrating. Millions of whites who agree that Breonna Taylor and George Floyd were murdered are also saying privately that other black people are getting killed because they're behaving more violently. All right? We're like an old married couple who's been keeping all the problems locked inside, and now we're finally having a blow-up fight, and everything is out on the table. And this is what has been keeping whites from acknowledging black pain for years. So yes, we can and should educate people on these issues. We can and should have more open discussions. I think that's great. But we could also take away that argument entirely. All right? there's, a, there's a million different prescriptions we could use to solve this issue of violence. But first, we have to name the issue. Listen, I want racism eradicated. I am simply pointing out some very obvious obstacles to that eradication. I know that white people writ large can be better about this, but I also know that the black community has some internal battles that can be faced head on, and that if these issues are never addressed, then the racists are going nowhere. Okay, I hate that. It's terrible, but it's true. And deep down, I think you all know it. All right? So that's all I've got today. I hope I made you think a little bit. I hope I challenged you a little bit. And I hope that after the first half of 2020, we realize how fragile our society is and how inside our hearts, we're a whole lot more similar than those with a vested financial interest in promoting division, the media and the politicians would have us believe. I love you guys. I hope you all have a safe weekend. And I also hope that you go on a nice long run as you listen to this a second time through. Because I've seen a few of these quarantine bodies, and my God, you look like shit. So go check out some earlier episodes, and I will see you next time on Necessary Evil, where people are sovereign, where all government measure is enforced by the point of gun, and where state power is in direct conflict with individual liberty. Thanks a lot.